Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we have absolutely no time for our usual witty pregame banter. Uh, this past Thursday was an orgy of entertainment media news. Uh, we had the Disney had their Investors Day where they made literally dozens of announcements to impress their stockholders. And it happened at the same time as the Game Awards, the video game industry's uh, sorry excuse to try to look as relevant as the Academy Awards, where they also announced a bunch of stuff. So uh, Thursday night was very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I think bringing in uh, celebrities like uh, Christopher Nolan and the Swedish chef helped to prop up the legitimacy of those game awards. Oh, and Brie Larson and Keanu Reeves. I mean, there's there's that. Right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I just got starstruck by the Swedish chef. I mean, who didn't, right? My God. <laughs> he looks so good for his age. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, I got to hear what his regime is. But look, seriously, we do not have time for this. If we took, if we held ourselves to account to say five minutes per topic of everything that was announced, we would be here for hours. So we're going to jump into this. Uh, we've got a ton of Star Wars stuff, a ton of Marvel stuff, a ton of video game stuff, some even some like just Disney, you know, pure Disney stuff. I don't know that we're even going to get to it all, but we're going to hit the stuff um, that really sort of you know turned us on because that's probably the stuff that you're interested in as well. Yeah, some things are going to have shorter hits than others because there's just not as much information, but I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about in the coming months and years. So let's get going. Graham, you want to start us off with some of your Star Wars stuff? All right, well, uh, one of the bigger things they, they showed was the start of the Cassian Andor series. They they They're starting production on it. Uh, most of what we saw was footage from Rogue One, but there was a lot of talk from Diego Luna, who plays the main character, about how excited he is to do it and what they're going to be what what the the feel of it is we got to see a logo for it which is you know, a real gritty kind of like rogue one style logo with the the rebel logo i think it is uh, replacing the o in andor and so his his name is andor um kind of following in a trend lately of uh names of things that are similar to other things in star wars like the Mandalorian shortened to Mando, which is very similar to Lando, and Andor, one letter off from uh, Andor. Yeah, I didn't but... pick up on that, but that's a, <laughs> that is a lot of fun tongue-twisting overlap, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, I, I covered the Andor one, so I got into the nitty-gritty of these things, like Andor versus Endor. Uh, but yeah, not, not a ton to see there, um, uh, and it's coming in 2022, so they got a lot of time to sort that out. Yeah, so Diego Luna from Rogue One, they gave him a TV show, or I guess a Disney Plus streaming show. Um, you know, I, I I really liked Rogue One. I um, I don't know that he needs his own show, but, I mean, put it this way, his sidekick was a droid played by Alan Tudyk, and uh, you know, a Firefly flame, of Firefly <laughs> fame, speaking of tongue it's been, twisters. It's been a long day. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I sure as heck hope he's back, because that, like... You know, I might watch it, but, like, Alan Tudyk, sold. Look, it's got Star Wars on it. There's a real high chance you're going to be watching it. Yeah, that's fair, especially if we're still in quarantine by then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, there was no sign of, of that character, Alan Tudyk's character, who, the droid whose name I can't remember in K2SO. the trailer. K2SO. 
Ah, thank you. But that doesn't mean he won't be in the show. He's a CG monstrosity, so they 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 didn't have anything of him done yet. If he is going to be in it to to show, so we'll we'll have to wait to see on that one. What do you got, Jess? I've got uh, well, let me hit two here because one of them's pretty small, uh, but they do tie together. Um, so two more shows that have been announced. Um, one that I don't think we have really anything on is Star Wars: Rangers of the New Republic. Which is interesting. At first I thought, well, maybe this has to do with kind of like we're seeing the marshals of the New Republic, like we're seeing in the Mandalorian right now. Um, But Rangers might also refer to, like we were talking about those two X-Wing pilots, um, Dave Filoni and Kim's Convenience, uh, who who are out there being sort of federal marshals for the New Republic. That's the term we used. So maybe it's a show about them? We'll have to wait and see. What we do know about it is that it's going to be live action, uh, and it's John Favreau and Dave Filoni. It's going to intersect with The Mandalorian, uh, as well as a third show. And that third show is a little more talking time. That's Star Wars Ahsoka, uh, as accurately predicted by my colleague here, Graham Nostradamus Beckstead. Ahsoka's introduction into The Mandalorian a couple weeks ago in the episode The Jedi, um, absolutely foreshadowing her getting her own limited series. So starring Rosario Dawson, and again, produced by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, both of these shows and The Mandalorian are expected to cross over and culminate in a climactic story event. So they're doing sort of a kind of like what the DCW, DC TVW, what do we agree to call that? I, I like to call it DCW, but they had called it the Arrowverse, and then they changed to something else recently, because well, Arrow's gone. Yeah, so whatever that is, they're doing that kind of thing. They're going to be running three series at a time, and then pulling them all together into a big event. And there's absolutely no information on what that event is going to be, but we all know it's going to be Grand Admiral Thrawn, right? Right. Yeah, it's not even a question. The last time we saw Ahsoka, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Check out our Mandalorian episode to hear more about where she's coming from. But the last time we saw her, her and Sabine Wren from Star Wars Rebels are out on a journey to try and find Star Wars Rebels protagonist Ezra Bridger, who has gone missing along with Grand Admiral Thrawn, fan-favorite villain character. Um... The fact that Ahsoka mentioned Thrawn and Mandalorian was big news, but it also kind of seemed like Mando isn't really a Thrawn. Like, that's not really the right matchup. The fact that they're sort of doing their own shows now to build to that, it seems pretty clear that's what they're going for. Yeah, interesting. And uh, there was no real mention that I can remember of uh, Ahsoka talking about Ezra or Sabine, so it gives them a lot of... stuff to cover in this new series yeah but the fact that dave filoni you know mr animated star wars is so heavily involved i'm sure we'll see them again he's established a a far-reaching precedent for you know having his characters continue from show to show to show there's a strong argument to be made for referring to portions of star wars as the filoni verse it's also so fun to say <laughs> yeah, although it's uh, it's weird to think of of a part of Star Wars that isn't George Lucas's, but I guess we're going to see more and more of that as time goes on. Yeah, we, no one lives forever. All right, let me volley uh, that back to you. Still more Star Wars news. <laughs> yeah, so there's going to be a droid special, and unfortunately it's not going to have anything to do with the 1985 Nelvana animated series. Oof, but I mean, it, I appreciate the joke, but that series was was rough. <laughs> hey, look, uh, Canadian pride. We gotta stand up for our our cartoons. Mm. Uh, so 
this is going to feature C-3PO and R2-D2, and they're going to have a, a new character that they'll be guiding through an adventure like they did with through with the whole Skywalker family. Uh, it's going to be animated. It's uh, coming from Lucasfilm Animation and ILM, and uh, there's nothing else that we know about it yet. I mean, we do know... Hmm. I mean, we don't know who it's going to star, but we have seen a lot of focus on droids since the Disney acquisition, right? Like, every new character and every new franchise, every new video game, there's always been a droid buddy from BB-8 and Dio to K2SO to BD-1 in the Fallen Order game. Like, they're really big on these droid characters, I expect, almost entirely because they're so easy to market to children. Yeah, and it also, there's the precedent set with the original trilogy of, of R2 and C-3PO being droid buddies, and it's sort of, like, necessary for it to be a Star Wars thing, although Mando doesn't have one yet. Yeah, Mando's been pretty clear in how much he doesn't like droids. I mean, we still have seen him, right? We saw the Hunters Zero, um, and now that they're, you know, now that the Dark Troopers are a big part of that universe, they're, they're going to be robots for a while. <laughs> Uh, now, that being said, the unlike Ahsoka and Rangers, or they've confirmed the timeline, we don't know when droids is going to be taking place. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's going to take place during the Clone Wars, and it's going to be a gritty war story of these you know, droid troops. It's going to be saving private BD-110 or something. Yeah, I mean, it, we know it, it has to take place sometime after uh, Phantom Menace, right? Because that's where they meet. Uh, other than that, they they stay together for the long haul from as far as we've seen into the Star Wars universe they've been together yeah but i mean anything can happen right right all right another new series uh we knew this one was in the works but we finally like sort of have a good confirmation and even a trailer for it um Star Wars Bad Batch which you can think of as an expansion pack or a DLC to Star Wars the Clone Wars the animated series um, the Bad Batch were a group of characters who were introduced. Originally, we, they were intended to be way earlier for Clone Wars, but they got caught up in the cancellation. Uh, but they were brought back for the Season 7 relaunch that happened this year. Um, this is an idea that originated with George Lucas. So, hey, there you go. He's still around. He had an idea of making, like, the Dirty Dozen of Clone Troopers. Uh, and that's essentially what these guys are, and now they're getting their own show. They're they're a squad of clones that are they're considered defects, but with favorable mutations, and so they're quirky and off the book. But and um, otherwise, incredibly, there's not a lot of depth to these characters. There's Hunter, the clone who has like really good senses and can track and stuff. There's Crosshair, the sniper. There's Wrecker, the big tough dumb guy. And there's, I swear to God, this guy's name is Tech. Guess what he does? Hmm. <laughs> uh, but that being said, um, I mean, they, they're, you know, it was fun. It was you know, neat to have clones who weren't just your run-of-the-mill clones. Put it this way, on, I mean, I did a recent rewatch of Clone Wars with my wife, and we skipped those episodes. Um, because it was just, like, it just was sort of like Clone Wars special guest stars, these weird clone guys, and didn't really seem to contribute to anything else. Um, so I guess well, that sort of works. Yeah, yeah, that sort of worked the same way Ahsoka did. It introduced them to get their own show. Yeah, we call that a backdoor pilot in the business. There you go. 
Uh, so what we've seen of this so far is it's going to take place mostly post-Order 66. So the clone army is going to be retired as the Old Republic turns into the Empire, and they're going to be working as mercenaries and probably having ethical dilemmas about, you know, as, as clone troopers become stormtroopers, it's, you know, who, what's the right side to be on? We get a brief thing of them working for Grand Moff Tarkin, although he doesn't look happy about it. Uh, although he never looks happy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so cool, dirty dozen clones animated show also coming. Okay, so my next thing is an event series, which I think is a fancy way of saying a mini series or like a a one off, you know, six ish six issue, <laughs> uh, six episode um, series, and uh, it's going to be about everyone's favorite space pirate Lando Calrissian. And which uh, I mean, did, did you need the Lando show? Did, did I need a Lando show? Yeah, let me ask that right out. Were you sitting there, uh, you know, your hands burnt, thinking, boy, I wonder what Lando is up to? No, but I never thought I wanted a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Never thought I wanted an Ant-Man movie, yeah, you know? That's, it's Yeah, that's fair. It, it, it Ultimately, it comes down to what the creator brings to it, and the creator that they're using for this is, his name is Justin Simeon, and he's best known for the Dear White People I think it's a movie and TV series. Uh, right now, this Lando thing is in the early stages of development. Picking this gentleman to to work on it fits with the Disney and Marvel and, I guess, now Star Wars strategy of getting people who don't have a huge resume but have a lot of promise and putting them on these projects and, and sort of guiding them through it. And we're going to see a lot more of that as we, we talk through these, uh, these things. But, yeah. As far as the Lando series, no, I guess I wouldn't say I ever really was desperate for one, but I'm not going to say no to one, especially if it's done well. And that's that's what it comes down to. I, I read a Lando miniseries that Marvel did in the comics, and I found it kind of unnecessary and, and ultimately kind of boring, but... With the right people involved, you never know. That, that's the other thing about this. We don't know if this is going to be Billy D. Williams or if it's going to be... Um, Donald Glover. Donald Glover or, or someone brand new. And to be fair, I really liked Donald Glover's Lando. I, I was I impressed s- with that performance. I still haven't seen all of Solo. I really got to fix that. <laughs> it's it's not bad. I mean, it just... Again, it seemed kind of unnecessary, but it's not bad. It's worth the time to spend on it. Okay, what do you got next? Yeah. God, this is breakneck. There's still so much left. Um, Still doing Star Wars. Um, We have another Disney Plus series coming called Star Wars Acolyte, uh, which is coming. This is is coming from Leslie Headland, who's the creator of Russian Doll, this really creepy um, series. Um, The Acolyte, this is a quote, is a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So that's going to make this the first series, at least that we know of, that's confirmed to be in Disney's new Star Wars setting, their prequel to the prequel setting. Um, High Republic was announced, I think, about a year ago as their new setting uh, for TV, comic books, video games. The same way when they started the prequel era with Phantom Menace, where they did it Star Wars, but they want to do, like, you know, different from the old Star Wars. Take it away from those characters. This is sort of the same idea. It uh, the, the High Republic era apparently ends a hundred years before Star Wars A New Hope. So 80 years before the prequels. 
So we got a, we're a generation or so back in time again. And uh, we don't know too much about it yet, but it's it's got a neat look to it. The the Jedi Knights of that era have a very nice of the round table thing going on. Um, there's a there's I remember there was something like there was a Wookiee Jedi, which is fun, except it raised the question of why does a Wookiee Jedi need robes? The um, robes are mean more than just clothing, right? They're part of the like the whole look. Yeah, I suppose. It's just you know it's it, anyway doesn't that doesn't matter. Star Wars Acolyte is going to take place there and probably at the end of it, from what they're talking about. It sounds like they're going to be talking about you know the start of the dark side chain of events that eventually lead to Palpatine, which could be kind of cool and maybe help explain the whole "I am all the Sith" kind of thing, which didn't make a ton of sense in the movie, but you know give him a chance to to work that out. Maybe um, we'll finally get to see Darth Plagueis the Wise. Maybe, maybe we're uh, not sure. <laughs> so, in the in the old days of the the legends, as we call them now, uh, did this era get get talked about much? I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be exactly the same, but no, this something is, similar. This is pure. This is pure brand new. Okay. Um, in legends, I know there was like thousands of years previously, right? Right, but it was all sort of considered Old Republic. Like, that's what right. Old Republic meant back in those days. It was the Old Republic before the New Republic. Now it seems like the Republic went through, like, the Republic, and then the High Republic, and then the Old Republic, because it had gotten old, and then the Empire, and then the ah, New okay. Republic, and then the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> Explain this to a chart. Man. Yeah. Anyway, Star Wars Acolyte, we don't know too much about it yet, but uh, sort of the same way like with Marvel, like they do a Marvel movie that's also a comedy, or a Marvel movie that's also a thriller, or a Marvel movie that is Ant-Man. Um, this um, That was a comedy, to be fair. That was, Paul Rudd is pretty funny, but Star Wars yeah. Acolyte is going to be their mystery thriller, um, and it'll be like totally separate from all these characters we know and love, so it'll have a lot of wiggle room to do interesting stuff. So that one is sort of pinging my radar. I think that could be pretty cool. Okay. So next is something that uh, has been on the in the works for a long time, in, in some form or another, from rumor to false starts, but it's the Obi-Wan series, which I guess is another event series, since I doubt they'll, they'll get multiple seasons out of Ewan McGregor, but you never know. The big news that they had for this is that uh, Hayden Christensen is going to be returning as Darth Vader. And I, I don't know about you, Jess, but I have very mixed feelings about that. Nothing to do with the actor, necessarily, even though he's he's fairly or unfairly derided for his performance in the prequels. But just the idea of, that to, to me, they shouldn't encounter each other again until the Death Star. Like, it should, should be the tragic stuff that happens at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and then Obi-Wan basically goes into hiding, and then they don't see each other again until A New Hope. That, that that feels right to me. That certainly has been the story up until now. And I was doing a lot of thinking about this when I should have been working today. Um, <laughs> and I like it is not outside of the realm of possibility for them to... Like, the closest we get to someone actually saying that they haven't seen each other in a while is Darth Vader's line, like, I sense a presence, a presence I haven't felt since dot dot dot. And then he walks out of frame a little mm. too soon, but doesn't matter um so it's possible that they did encounter each other i agree i think in terms of storytelling it works better that they haven't seen each other for that 20 years until he runs into like they run into each other again on the first death star but 
But then again, we don't know if they're going. They are going to bounce off each other, right? Like this might be Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader in slightly two different storylines. Or, I mean, we know yeah. Vader's looking for Kenobi this whole time. That's come up before. Maybe they just are ships passing in. And I, I'm saying this. I'm trying to make excuses, but no, we all know. Of course, they're going to have Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor face each other down again. That's like, yeah. That's gold. That, that's going to be millions of views in the first night. I don't know why I'm bothering. It's going to happen. Like, it could be possible without contradicting canon. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Well, yeah, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and, and see it through and hope that they can they can pull it off. But it definitely is is tricky for me. I, I've never really liked the idea of Obi-Wan having a bunch of adventures while he's supposed to be sort of from a distance watching over young Luke grow up. Uh, I, but they've done a few cool stories about that in the, the comic books, and that made me a little more willing to, to hear him out. And, and they have a cool Obi-Wan-Darth Maul fight in the deserts of Tatooine in Rebels, right? Right, but part of what makes that work is because of how long it takes. Like, like nobody even knows Obi-Wan Kenobi is alive. And when all these pieces suddenly fall into place and Ezra and Darth Maul end up on Tatooine, it's a big moment because no one's seen Obi-Wan Kenobi for 15 years, right? Like, Right. It feels like adding that material to this like that sort of takes away from that moment. I I agree, but I, again, the, like we know so little about what this is going to be. It's hard to, to make a hard and fast judgment call on it, although I guess that's why we have a podcast. Exactly. It's uh, two pre-middle-aged white guys with opinions. That's what podcasts are for. (laughs) Um, Beautiful. Yeah. But hey, you know what? Ewan McGregor, I mean, you know, like, the prequels have gotten a lot of, I I feel like I would call it revisionist history lately. Um, I I believe it's a result, a direct result of social engineering by Lucasfilm. But... (laughs) But people, I mean, I've also heard the arguments that people who were young enough to like the prequels have now grown up, and now they're a generation of adult Star Wars fans. Long story short, we didn't like the prequels, but a whole bunch of people out there did. And they're getting exactly what they want, because, I mean, yeah, Hayden Christensen, pretty debatable, but pretty much everyone was happy with Ewan McGregor. Like especially yes. in the, like towards the end, like, like in episode three, his Obi-Wan was real good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff around him, like Dexter Jetser, although, I, is that in 2? Yeah, it's anyway, in 2. And again, lot yeah, of, lots of stuff, bad stuff happens around him. <laughs> but he's great, and uh, I always want more Ewan McGregor. He's always delightful. Okay, okay, my last one that I want to talk about, it's going to be real brief, uh, coming in 2021 to Disney+, Plus is uh, Star Wars Visions, oh, which is yeah. a series of animated shorts by anime directors. All we really know is that it's anime from different directors, and there's ten episodes, uh, but it's coming this year, so uh, it could be cool. Yeah, it sounds like one of those short collections, like the Animatrix. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they just Animatrix was the main thing I thought of. Yeah, and then there's, I mean, there's some Disney stuff like that, too, and then Netflix has one called Love, Death, and Robots, I think. Like, just these animated... Mostly animated, just like compilations of shorts, of small projects by different creators. I've actually really liked all the ones I watched, so I'll watch a Star Wars one of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a neat idea. Um, they're 
it's going to be bringing different perspectives to the Star Wars universe than we've seen before, and it has a lot of opportunity. And the the best part of it is, if there's something in it that you don't like, it's real easy to just move on to the next thing in the list. <laughs> that is such a cynical way of looking at it. That <laughs> I'm the one who's supposed to be the the cynical old jerk. You're supposed to be young and optimistic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, steal your thunder. <laughs> Wow. Okay, yeah, Star Wars Visions, anime, Star Wars, coming soon. Those are the series, um, but we also got the big reveal for the next Star Wars feature film, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. It's a fighter pilot movie. It's about Rogue Squadron. It's directed by Patty Jenkins, the Wonder Woman behind Wonder Woman. Um, It sounds amazing. I am very, very excited. In canon, Rogue Squadron is the like the Top Gun of the Rebel Alliance. Um, when like they're, they're, when Luke leads the attack on the Death Star, the surviving pilots of that from Red Squadron are now like the ace heroes. And in the Legends continuity, before the Disney acquisition, they with, with Luke, but eventually making room for fan favorite character Wedge Antilles, uh, formed this awesome squad of elite fighter pilots and went on crazy adventures and it's one of the most formative Star Wars things I had growing up. I think a lot of people had. Um, A lot of those stories are written by by, by, I guess you would call him genre fiction author Michael A. Stackpole. Um, He wrote a series of Rogue Squadron comics that started in 1995 and then started these full paperback novels in 1996 and that series of ten novels one or two of them aren't great, but most of them, like in terms of good Star Wars novels, those are them. It's the adventures of these cool fighter pilots and the crazy things they get up to. Uh, doesn't all take place in fighter dogfights. They also end up sneaking, you know, doing sneaky stuff too. But it's it, it's just it's that crystallite like the Star Wars adventures that aren't Jedi. Rogue Squadron are the best of the best, and they are now getting an entire movie about them. And, and, like, not just a little movie. This is going to be a big deal. Yeah, this is 2023. This is the next big Star Wars movie. I guarantee you it's going to be a Christmas release 2023. This is the one that you buy IMAX tickets for. And I got to tell you, I mean, I like Jedi and lightsabers. I do. I, I own lightsabers. But when I think of the experience of being in a movie theater and holy crap, it's Star Wars, it's not a lightsaber duel. It's ships. Right, it's Star Destroyers and X-Wings and lasers and the big John Williams orchestra. Like the end of the first Star Wars movie of A New Hope, the Battle of Yavin, the attack on the first Death Star, that that still gets my heart pumping. Not only is that movie twice as old as I am, but I've also watched it about half my life. I think it's probably spent in front of that movie. <laughs> and it's just that's the like that says Star Wars to me in a way that the other stuff, like the space wizard stuff, doesn't quite do. So this is awesome. Um, Patty Jenkins gave a, a pretty heartwarming sort of background to it where she talked about her father, who was a fighter pilot, um, who actually died in, in the line of duty, and how she's always had a fascination for this kind of thing and like has always wanted to do a fighter pilot movie. I, I got to say, the, the video that they they put up of her explaining this backstory and everything and and the reveal at the end of it was so 
good. Like nothing. They they just just like the way I watched this whole thing unfold. It was tweet after tweet after tweet, and it would just be a little Disney thing giving a short blip about what the story was of this next announcement. And then when it came to this one, the the Rogue Squadron one, the entire tweet was just the video. And so you clicked on it without any context, and it had yeah. been. Disney stuff, Marvel stuff, it was all over the place, and so I wasn't even sure it was gonna be a Star Wars thing. And and her reveal at the end where she puts on the the X Wing pilot gear and the helmet, it was really great, really well done. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. That was a great tease. Um, it's a few years off, so we don't know anything about it, and frankly, I suspect they don't either. Um, but uh, that is one that I'm going to be jazzed for. It's, I mentioned earlier Michael A. Stackpole, who is really that guy behind Rogue Squadron. He sort of tweeted at her and basically to give his blessing, which she appreciated. And part of me kind of felt a little, I don't know, I kind of wish that they had talked to him about it, since so much of that is his brainchild. Uh, but then again, I mean, we, we, we all saw Wonder Woman. It was phenomenal. It's the only thing the DC Cinematic Universe has done right. So it's not like I don't trust Patty Jenkins to make an amazing story. We also, I mean, we don't have time for in this episode, but there's also some behind-the-scenes shenanigans with Disney not paying a ton of royalties or any royalties to some of the authors of the Legends books, including Alan Dean Foster, who is, he wrote, like, Splitter of the Mind's Eye, the first Star Wars novel, and he hasn't been getting any royalty checks from Disney, and they're refusing to do it, so it's it's all very complicated. Yeah, it's a testy situation, and it's very clear that Disney is in the wrong like their yeah. like, like their argument in court is that well we didn't sign those contracts Lucasfilm did, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah, just, that's uh, not how that's not how that works. Disney pay your pay no. your authors. Um, so yeah, I feel kind of bad that Stackpole isn't more involved, and I wonder if he's maybe like if that tweet was also meant to kind of say like hey this you know <laughs> I I don't know if he's one of the guys who's not getting paid, but after. If they're doing this thing that's clearly, at the very least, inspired by his work, I hope they're paying him his royalties, at least. Yeah, they'd better. <sighs> Jeez. <laughs> anyway, we'll try to stay on the positive note of that. New feature film, 2023. It's a ways out, but it's going to be about fighter pilots and X-Wings. And I just, I mean, it sounds like they're going to make it without me in it. And that's, <sighs> I have to I have to accept that as a person. And that's going to be hard, but you it'll still, still be. Time. It'll, it'll still be worth it just to see it. Uh, and I guess the very last Star Wars thing is that there's also a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie in the works. Yes, and we don't know anything else about it. Yeah. Um, there is actually a little more Star Wars after that. because <laughs> oh, God. Disney, <laughs> look, I tell you, this Investor's Day was nuts, um, but it overlaps with some of the video game stuff we have to talk about. Um so let's decide on a direction here. What's 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 the next thing we hit? Do we want to hit the Marvel stuff or do we want to hit the gamer stuff? Well, part of me thinks we should go back and forth so the people who are aren't interested in in video game stuff don't completely tune out and the people who aren't interested in the Marvel stuff completely tune out. You know what I mean? Sounds good. All right, hit me with some Marvel stuff. So, one of the Marvel things that... The, the first Marvel thing that we got was a WandaVision trailer. And WandaVision is the new series. It's a six-episode series that we just found out is debuting on January 15th on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it, they, they showed a bit more about what's going on. We already knew it was going to involve 
TV and, and tropes and, and styles from different eras. Um, we also got a glimpse at some of the extended cast, including Tayona Paris, who's playing Monica Rambeau, who's the daughter of Captain Marvel's friend in the first Captain Marvel movie. And in the comics, Monica Rambeau also becomes a Captain Marvel uh, with completely different power sets and is not related to uh, Carol Ferris, or not Carol Ferris, uh, Carol Danvers at all. So they're they're tying them together in a way that was never established in the comics, but it makes sense. When you're when you're building stuff from the ground up, you can do things like that. We also got a really quick glimpse of Kat Dennings as uh, Darcy Lewis, who's Yeah, yeah, as Natalie Portman's sidekick from Thor. Right, right. And we haven't seen her since Thor 2, so it's it's great that they're bringing her back into the fold. And we also heard the voice of Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jimmy Woo, who was seen in uh, Ant-Man 2. And he's a recurring character in the comics who I think, if memory serves, got his uh, start in the Godzilla comics when Marvel was making them. Jeez. Uh, we also saw a bit more of Catherine Hahn, who is playing a sort of stereotypical nosy neighbor character who's going to carry through the whole series. And I get a sense that maybe she's going to turn out to be the villain behind it all, but I'm not positive about that. That was just a, a, a feeling I got watching the trailer. Yeah. Now, a big mystery about WandaVision is still exactly what is happening here, right? It's why, why is Wanda and Vision trapped in what appears to be a television reality, or a reality that is, functions like a television show? Um, and we don't have a lot of speculation on that. It's obviously that's going to be part of the big mystery of the show. But we know from comic books that Scarlet Witch's powers are ill-defined, and they have a they have on a couple of occasions i think come up with excuses for her to be able to like alter reality as a result of of willpower or the opposite of her going nuts like that's the house of m arc where she like creates yeah. an alternate timeline where the world is peacefully ruled by magneto she was essentially a villain for a stretch of uh, avengers west coast so there's she's a complicated character with mental health issues and in the movies she's gone through a lot already and on top of that her love interest uh, vision was killed in infinity war and it's not clear how he's back or why he's back so there's uh there's a lot going on here and and a lot of um weirdness that could be all traced back to scarlet witch and her powers yeah, but we do also get that shot of the of the gem, right, like that from Vision's forehead and of it breaking that they pulled from Endgame. So, so who knows? There's a lot of speculation, but it is a very new and kind of spooky and very interesting idea. Yeah, you want to take us into the world of video games? Sure, uh, taking us into the world of video games and the last thing we have to talk about Star Wars today, I promise. <laughs> um, Star Wars Squadrons, the the cool ships. Like if if the Rogue Squadron, the movie had a game, this would be it. Uh, it came out in early October that we were super jazzed about. Uh, you can still find some of that gameplay footage of us playing it on our Twitch channel. If that you know is that that'll exist for a few more months, I think. Uh, Squadrons got a major update, um, and the best kind 
kind of update where it's free and offers dramatically new ways to, to play the game. Um, folks who listened to our big hour-long Squadrons review back in October remember that we were two thumbs up for sure, but we kind of hoped for more. We wanted to see more asymmetrical gameplay where the two sides weren't exactly the same, and we were hoping to see a couple new ships. We were saying maybe the B-Wing and the TIE Defender. Well, Star Wars Squadrons has free downloadable content to play as the B-Wing, play as the TIE Defender, and they play very differently, so they're asymmetrical. So obviously, the developers at Motive and producers at EA are big fans of our podcast. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Um, it's, uh, geez, so these two ships, the TIE Defender is, like, a, it's known in the canon as, like, the Imperial, like, super fighter, and the B-Wing is this really cool, sewer, like, weird-looking bomber that we only see for a brief moment in Return of the Jedi, but gets a lot of focus as a cool bomber in the other games. Um, I've played a little bit of them both so far. They're both very cool. They both add really new ways to play the game. Um, the B-Wing can like rotate its weird structure around itself, around its cockpit, and also gets huge advantages to attacking capital ships. Its primary attack does standard damage and ion damage, which means while you're whittling down an opponent's hit points, you're also disabling their systems, their weapons, their sensors, that sort of thing. So it is a beast. You don't want to be in those crosshairs. Uh, on the other hand, the TIE Defender is probably the strongest ship in the game but also extremely complicated to fly um, a lot of squadrons revolves around power management you boost the power to your weapons when you're firing and boost the power to your engines when you're running uh, the, the defender has huge bonuses to those power boosts but also really short pools so, like, its engine boost, it can charge up in just a couple of seconds, whereas other fighters might be 10 or 15 seconds, but its boost is much smaller and shorter. It also, though, gets an item, essentially, that you can use to assign power to things. So when you're flying the ship, you have to be constantly tossing power back and forth and using this thing to fill in holes, and it's just it's way more complicated to fly than other ships hmm. in the game, but you can also wreck stuff with it. You can be boosting and drifting all over the place. You're fast, you're maneuverable, you got so much firepower, but you have to constantly be on top of this complicated system. As soon as you start to take a breath, you get hit, and while the TIE Defender has shields, it has no hull strength. You will die if you get sneezed on. <laughs> so it's cool, it's a fun addition, it's free if you've already got the game, and if you haven't bought it already, uh, there's some cool new stuff in there for you to try. Um, very exciting, very cool addition. That's everything they announced for Star Wars over the last few days. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing they did in the Marvel set was finally drop a trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They announced it's coming out on uh, March 19th. The trailer shows pretty standard action stuff. It's it's cool that it's like they, there's a lot of money in it. You it looks as good as as most of the Marvel movies I've seen just based on this trailer and yet it's a six episode Disney Plus TV series so it's it's impressive what they're what they're putting into this uh, other than that we know that they're bringing back Daniel Bruhl as Baron Zemo it looks like there's another villain uh, but they they haven't revealed much about it and I, I didn't do a deep dive to try and figure out who it would be based on the clues they're also bringing back Emily Van Camp as Peggy Carter's 
was it niece or granddaughter? I guess niece. Grandniece or something? Something like that. It's a little different from what's in the comics, so I I get them confused sometimes. But yeah, she's coming back as Sharon Carter. And then also another character that we didn't really get a good look at in the trailer, but something I'm excited for is Wyatt Russell as John Walker. John Walker is a guy who replaced Steve Rogers as Captain America in the comics for a little while, and then when Steve Rogers became Captain America again, he uh, went on to be the U.S. agent. And he's he looks just like Captain America, except his suit, instead of being blue, is black, and he's his shield is a little different. Uh, and as far as his personality type is, he's far more of like a patriotic f- soldier, follow orders, do exactly what he's told, rah-rah, America is always right sort of character. So he he's usually played as a jerk and sometimes a villain. Uh, I was going to say borderline villain, that's where I hesitated there, but sometimes he's just been a flat-out villain. So it's it's an interesting addition to the show, and I'm I'm very curious to see how he plays out. Yeah, it seems like the that's going to be a major conflict in the show. I mean, folks remember at the end of Endgame, Steve Rogers gives gives Falcon the shield and says, "You be Captain America now." But in this trailer, we can see he he hasn't done that yet. He he is still the Falcon. He's not Captain America yet. So the fact that they've introduced this other inheritor to the shield, but maybe he's not such a nice guy. Like I imagine that's going to be a major a major motivator like is falcon gonna step up and take the mantle on as captain america or is he gonna leave it to this guy you know what does that mean i, I, I hate that we're still having to do this but what does it mean if you're gonna have a black captain america there's a lot of folks down there who still think that's a problem it's there's you know, a lot that, to examine there's also uh bucky or, or the winter soldier who he in the comics he also became captain america for a while but he's a guy who has spent decades as a russian assassin so there's a lot of complicated feelings around that too so it's it's going to be that these three characters all in the comics have taken on the mantle of captain america and having them in conflict is going to be an interesting uh storyline to to dive into it's, and if only we could guarantee that only one of them would take it instead of just spawning three new series. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Fair enough. All right, I'll take the, the volley then. Back to the world of video games for a second. Um, Super Smash Brothers, Nintendo's big mascot fighter. Uh, big party game, very popular in college dorms. Um, still is, as far as I know, but certainly when we were growing up. Um, the latest version, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, is released in 2018, um, has been getting constantly new characters and new content added to it. Just forever. This game just keeps growing. Um, and some of the new characters over the years that they've been doing this kind of thing have been really kind of off the wall. I mean, it's a Nintendo mascot fighter, right? You got Mario, you have Luigi, you have Donkey Kong. But around the era of, actually, this Smash Brothers game's pre- prequel? I guess predecessor is better. The Smash Brothers on Wii U, it started to get some weird... So they got it to get Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. And in December 15th, they got Cloud Strife from Square Enix's Final Fantasy VII. Like, the the big Final Fantasy character. The blonde guy with the big sword. They well, at, Let me sorry. just jump in for a second. For, for me, the biggest addition... That that was the the one that blew my mind was when Sonic was added to the games because f- growing up 
Mario and Sonic. It was like Pepsi and Coke. They, they were rivals. It was never going to happen. There was never going to be anything with them. Except Sega lost that war, right? Sega is yeah. now wholly owned and operated by Nintendo. So, <laughs> in any case, uh, as Nintendo is wont to do, they, they announced, like, oh, hi, we're going to announce a new character at the Game Awards in, like, four hours. Because they never bother doing any lead time hype anymore, because they're Nintendo, they don't have to. Um, this is the game's 78th character, oh by the God. way. Oh, my God. Um, they released a, a, I mean, I was kind of hoping it was going to be the Doom guy, like the Doom game just came out on Switch and it was the anniversary, but no, they announced Sephiroth, the antagonist from Final Fantasy VII, and just world famous, you know, Japanese anime, pretty boy, moody villain, is going to be playable in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate uh, this month. Uh, first appearing in Final Fantasy VII, opposite Cloud in 1997. We've talked about Final Fantasy VII on the podcast before. It is a watershed moment for gaming, and a big part of it was the incredibly complicated sort of character background story between these two. Also doesn't hurt that they're both, you know, super fit, muscular anime guys with ridiculously oversized swords, but Sephiroth <laughs> and is... ridiculously oversized hair. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> But the, these guys, even by the the standard that gets applied, to, like like people who are passionate about Japanese anime and that kind of video game are really passionate about it, like a lot. Even by that standard, Cloud and Sephiroth are like the, you know, the hero villain. And the fact that they finally added his Cloud's villain to it to this game, it sort of like completes a circle. It closes a right. loop. That's very exciting. Um, certainly motivated by the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake this year. Um, you know, we got to see Cloud's Adventure again in HD, and Sephiroth, of course, played a huge role in that. And uh, just playing up on the hype, he's going to be playable. Uh, it is going to be part of the Fighters... This is We're on the second Fighters Pass now, so you've already bought sort of the, the long-term plan. He's just going to show up in your character roster in the next couple of weeks. And if not, he'll be available for purchase on the Nintendo eShop. They're usually something like 10 or 15 bucks, depending on your currency. Yet the character, we usually get a new stage, some new music, that kind of stuff. It, it, it sounds kind of silly, but the level design in Smash Brothers is a big deal. Um, like going back to that new and interesting ways to play. So folks, very excited about that. All right, that sounds cool. I, I, I know we don't have a lot of time for banter, but I'm curious, what was the bigger reveal for you, Rogue Squadron or Sephiroth? Oh, Rogue Squadron. I mean, okay. one is a giant feature film. The other one is a, a, <laughs> you know, a character. I, like. I really like Sephiroth. I really like Final Fantasy VII, but Rogue Squadron is huge. Okay. All right, so next is the, the next of the Marvel uh, Disney Plus series. This one was a trailer for Loki. And I think we'd known for a long time that Loki was coming, but there wasn't much sense of what that was going to be, especially since the character is killed at the beginning of Infinity War and by the end of Endgame a Loki is back on the board but it's not the sort of semi good guy Loki that we'd gotten used to over the course of the last couple of Thor movies this is back to the pure evil Loki from the first Avengers movie so from the trailer we see that scene from Endgame again he goes into the cosmos thanks to the cosmic cube or the tesseract or whatever we're calling it and uh then he he ends up in an elevator with owen wilson somehow 
And it's an Owen Wilson that I've never seen before. His hair's gray. He looks almost like he's doing a Stan Lee uh, impression. He just needs the glasses. But still uh, Owen Wilson in acting yeah, and presentation. <laughs> Very much so. But, uh, yeah, a bit more serious, I guess, than we usually see him. Uh, but, yeah, we, I, I don't get much of a sense of what the series is going to be about. But Loki seems to be bopping all over the universe here in a, in a lot of different settings. There's a moment towards the end of the trailer where he's in a... A suit, a very fancy-looking suit, and he's got a vote for Loki pin on his chest, in a, a, like he's running for office, which comes directly from a comic book uh, storyline from a few years ago. It like like they they managed to get the suit exactly like it looks in those covers, and that was pretty impressive to me. You know, it's uh, it's one thing to get cinematic versions of the superhero costumes and and uh, some of the, the looks of the heroes that I've, I guess we're sort of jaded and used to but this looked exactly like he was drawn down to details of this, the threads on the suit it was really impressive and then another detail in the trailer that I enjoyed but it's kind of an obscure one they seem to be referencing the famous D.B. Cooper plane hijacking uh, that that is, it's a mystery that's never been solved and in this it looks like maybe Loki is D.B. Cooper it's a weird one but I, I really enjoyed that touch just as a weird conspiracy theory follower he's, he's jumping through worlds maybe dimensions maybe through time it's an appropriately you know wild setting for a wild character uh, and frankly, I mean, I'm thirsty for more Loki content. Tom Hiddleston's Loki was, I thought, severely underused towards the end of the, what do you know, the, the Infinity War era of the Marvel movies. And if they can't bring him back for the movies, I, I'm, I'll I'll take the show. Yeah, he he looks great in it. He looks charming as ever, and and it's rare that you see a movie where the villain completely steals the show but Loki managed to do it in most of the Thor movies. Fair enough. Okay, video games. Uh, Turtle Rock Studios, formerly Valve South. Um, in 2008, they made a major hit video game called Left for Dead um, published by Valve, which was a co-op sort of zombie experience. You have four players, and you play through a zombie movie, you know, shooting zombies and monsters and trying to get from one end of the map to the other to safety. Um, two big notable things about it. First, that it had flawless four-player cooperative play. So you and three buddies could back each other up and try to get through this world. And the second was its programmable AI, the, the director, which the way this works, like in a lot of video games, it's like you play a level and then a harder level and then a harder level and then a harder level. And as the player, you're supposed to get better and better and better until you win. The way this worked is the director tried to maintain a, a sense of experience throughout the campaign. If the players were doing badly, the director would adapt and spread out like more ammunition and more health packs. Whereas if the players were doing really well, the director would jump them with a zombie mob out of nowhere. Um, so the idea, like what happened basically is that even if you were playing the same level, quote unquote, it was always different. Like, there were always new things to experience and new things to do, and you were you never mastered this game. It was a blast. Uh, we had a New Year's party once where a bunch of us just got together and hooked up a couple of Xboxes and TVs and just 
trying to fight our way through this game. It was a very exciting party game experience. There was a sequel to it a little bit later. I think it was the, like the following year, Left 4 Dead 2. It was okay. And since then, haven't heard much from these guys. They tried something similar with a game called Evolve that never went anywhere. And since then, they've been making mobile games and Facebook games. Well, they announced that they are making a new, basically a new Left 4 Dead game just without the license. They're calling it Back 4 Blood. And everything I just described about how Left 4 Dead works, it's that, again. <laughs> but they are going back to that 2008, like to that juice, to that delicious thing, and they're redoing it. We've seen sort of a cinematic trailer and some gameplay of you know, these four not quite cartoony, but not quite realistic characters up against zombie monsters. In this case, it looks like instead of a disease, the, the thing is parasitic worms, but whatever. You're covering each other's backs, you're mowing down enemies, you're throwing Molotov cocktails to create, like, both to burn zombies, but also to create fire traps for safety and try to get from one end to the other. It is an experience experience that a lot of us were very excited about back in the day and they're trying to recapture that old magic and that looks phenomenal as far as i can tell the closest we have to a release date is 2021 um, no more information than that but definitely something to keep uh, keep an eye on because that's going to be a lot of fun these vague dates are driving me crazy I mean, it's this is pandemic era, right? Like, who knows? Like, half your development team comes down with COVID. What can you do? Right. It's, yeah. Um, would love to talk about that more. Maybe we will, but we got to keep moving. Give me more Marvel stuff. <laughs> so, uh, a few years ago, they announced that there was going to be a What If series debuting on Disney Plus, and we finally got a trailer for it. Just to give you some background, in the, uh, I guess, late 60s, early 70s, there was a comic book started by Marvel called What If? And it would take pivotal moments in Marvel history and say, what if this happened instead? Just like a little tweak to it. And you'd, you'd get a full story in one issue sort of explaining the the big difference there. Uh, there's things like, what if... Uh, Wolverine was a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, or the completely radical, what if Thor was a woman, which, you know, ended up becoming a fact, and we'll talk about that more a little later on. But this is going to be doing that same thing, except as an animated series all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, so far, the things we've seen in the trailer are, like, what if, instead of Steve Rogers becoming the super soldier, it's what if Peggy Carter was the super soldier? What if, instead of, uh, what's his name? Peter, ah, uh, Star-Lord? Um, Peter Quill. Peter Quill. What if instead of Peter Quill becoming Star-Lord, it was T'Challa, the Black Panther? And then we also get uh, a couple of hints of some Marvel zombies action. So it's Bucky, the Winter Soldier, fighting a zombie Captain America. And then there seems to be a moment of Doctor Strange fighting Doctor Strange. And we don't have much more information than that. What we do know is that it seems like the entire original cast are coming back to voice their characters, including, I believe it's uh, the final performance of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, as Black Panther. So that's somewhat bittersweet. And uh, Jeffrey Wright is going to be doing the voice of Watu the Watcher, who is the the host, like the Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone for this series. He's going to be telling you. 
That's a really good comparison. Sorry. <laughs> He's going to be giving you the sort of intro and outro for, for every episode. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a great voice, and you hear it in the trailer, and it's it's uh, I can't wait to see more of this. It's going to be a 10-episode season, and it's uh, there's going to be a second season that will be coming out, presumably in summer 2022, with another 10 episodes. And it's such... You, there, there are, like, little twists you could do and just... just have continue on that realm like what if tony stark or or like howard stark had gotten the super soldier serum you could just have every character in the marvel universe as a what if they became captain america instead and and that could be a series on its own so i'm I'm just looking forward to every variation of this yeah these have always been a really cool way to do like, like just I mean, I don't want to say what if, because duh, that's the title, but there's all kinds of fun things you can do you otherwise wouldn't see. I mean, a big focus of this one was super soldier Peggy Carter, you know, as as Captain as Britain, I suppose. But we like we got into fights as kids all the time, like, you know, who would win in a fight, like Captain America or Luke Skywalker? <laughs> like, like, this is the kind of thing they could do. I mean, they probably won't go that far. I'm sure it'll all stay within Marvel canon. But the idea of... of they, Different character, different place, different situation. It's it's cool, and like doing it in an animated series, I get like that's a lot easier than having to do a live action thing. Beyond that, the, the animation style looks really cool, and it, it has it, a it does it does realistic and flair to it. It uh, you definitely can recognize the characters for who they are. Um, it's it's a neat. I guess what I'm getting at is just like if you're going to make a cartoon, that's a neat way to do it. Like instead of just making like a standard MCU cartoon and then wishing it was live action, like this is it's taking advantage of the medium to do something you couldn't normally do in front of a camera, without without a lot of money anyway. Yeah. So that was one of the the of of all the announcements. That was one of the ones I was happiest to see because it's the the alternate reality stuff in comic books has always appealed to me. Uh, Elseworlds, what if the Exiles? It's all been my bread and butter. All right, back to video games. Um, they're making a new Perfect Dark game. <laughs> Perfect Dark, a first-person shooter developed by Rare and released on Nintendo 64 back way back in the year 2000. Um, a spiritual successor to Goldeneye on the 64, which like, at the time was the best video game of all time. Uh, Perfect Dark, besides being a fun first-person shooter, was a really cool setting for a, an intellectual property. It's essentially, take like the X-Files with hidden aliens and government conspiracies, but instead of having two semi-boring FBI agents investigating it like a procedural, have it be James Bond who's investigating it with gadgets and a gun, but James Bond is a woman. That's Joanna Dark. And that pretty much lays out everything you need to know about what this series is like. It was a blast. Um, there was there was a sequel, Perfect Dark Zero, was released for Xbox 360 in 2005. It was a launch title. The less said about that, the better. Um, and the original got remastered with enhanced graphics 10 years ago, but like that's it. Three entries in this series over a course of 10 years, and then they just let it lie. Well, they did the same. They did the thing you were describing with the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron, where they didn't announce what it was. They just went into this trailer, 
and they had people talking about like things like it's an environmental crisis and the corporation stepped in and they helped or did they and things are getting spooky and then it's you're like we're watching from the perspective of this drone that it's almost like it's doing interviews at first but then we see this office building is getting more and more thing like gun turrets are going off and things are broken and alarms are going off and it pans up the outside and we see the data dying logo the insignia for the the bad guy corporation from perfect dark and all the gamer heads and like me in the audience are going wait was that that can't was that and then they pan up to you know a, like a, a badass looking redhead and the voice says like did you know, did you get what you needed agent dark and holy crap it's a perfect dark game that's literally all we know about it. Uh, it's not being developed by Rare. The The IP is owned by Microsoft, and they've handed it off to somebody else for now. But new Perfect Dark game. It's going to be English Secret Service and gunplay action and aliens and conspiracies. Um, very popular kind of you know dystopian thing that we get a lot these days. Uh, I'm just excited to see it again. Can't wait to can't wait to hear more. One of the things that uh, really set both GoldenEye and Perfect Dark apart from the competitors was really good multiplayer, and Perfect Dark introduced an ability to put in bots, so you just, if, you know, if if Jesse and I were playing and our friends, our other friends weren't around, we could put bots in to spice it up, so it wouldn't just be one versus one the entire time, and you could change the level of difficulty for these bots you'd be playing against, and uh, it just... It, gave that game so much replayability and, and such a long lifespan. I, I remember playing Perfect Dark for, for ages. It was such yeah, a great game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I want to say, I mean, bots are pretty old hat on PC by then, but I feel like I want to say that was the first shooter experience on console with bots. It might have been. It certainly felt revolutionary at the time. Yeah. It was wild. There's so many different, like all the different weapons you could get, a did different stuff. And like, 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 like the, the laptop gun, which I mean, you could hide as a laptop, but it could also like attach it to the wall and it became a turret. You could get the alien, like, see through walls gun. Right. Like that one was great. There's, there's so many cool things you could do and so much, just so much fun. Ah, God, it was. It's a fun game. Again, that's worth a whole other podcast episode, but another one's coming. we got to keep rolling. So I think this was the last bit of footage we got. It was a what they call a sizzle reel for uh, Miss Marvel. Ms. Marvel. Uh, this is a character who was introduced a few years ago now, and uh, she's a, a Pakistani-American girl named Kamala Khan who uh, grows up in New Jersey, just across the the river the lake from from new york city so she sees all the big marvel and and events happen over there but nothing really happens to her she idolizes carol danvers and captain marvel and something happens and she gets superpowers and in the comics i think it's she was inhuman um although i feel like that got retconned to being something else recently anyway she can change size and shape and become really tall and she doesn't have a great grasp on her powers yet so they're always sort of she's figuring it out as it goes along and it's it's a perspective that we don't usually see in superhero comics of uh, the sort of immigrant experience she has a uh, it's other than that it's high school drama but with a superhero flair it's uh, going to be a TV series. It's coming in late 2021, and we already know that she's going to have some sort of role in Captain Marvel 2, along with uh, 
Monica Rambeau, who will be appearing in WandaVision. So they are very closely tying all of these TV series into the cinematic universe now. Yeah, they, they love that shared universe money, and they're they're doing it all over the place. <laughs> I gotta say, one of the things I, I'm, I'm kind of most excited for about a lot of this stuff is they're keeping the episode runs short. There's six episodes. One of the things that really dragged the Netflix series down for me, as fun as they were at the beginning, but like 13 episodes of Iron Fist and 13 episodes of Jessica Jones, they, they it dragged and there was a lot of sagging in the middle as they yeah, tried to fill Yeah, not a lot of material time. to work with. Yeah, six episodes, it's going to be go, go, go. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening every episode, and I'm looking forward to that. All right, the last bit of video game news that we've got. Um, and listen, there are some other things that we're not going to touch on. I know there's a new ARC game coming with Vin Diesel in it where he plays a caveman, or does he? Um, some others, like there's, there's a new Ghouls and Goblins game. There's, there's a lot there. But the last one that really sort of caught our eye, um, BioWare released these teasers for their new Dragon Age and new Mass Effect game. Um, in clear Bioware style, where they've been doing this for a while now, where they release like an 80-second video that's mostly art, and then they throw up the, the game's logo at the end, uh, and not much else is revealed, and frankly, it's kind of annoying, and at this point, also maybe telling about what's going on at Bioware. Um, in terms of what we saw, the Dragon Age was just... I mean, we, Varric is back, everybody's fun storytelling dwarf, he narrates it. Um, and we know that Solus, the Dread Wolf, is going to be the antagonist. We've all known this. Now we still see him in there, and there's nothing else. We don't even have a title for the game, just Dragon Age. Uh, for Mass Effect, we didn't even get that. We got a bunch of like radio signals, like stock footage audio equivalent. And then we see a figure in the snow, and she picks up a shattered piece of N7 armor. It looks like it's from Shepard's helmet. And then we see that it's Liara, the character, the your... I mean, pretty close to Deuteragonist from Mass Effect, depending on how you played it. Um, no details about the Mass Effect game, except that, unlike Andromeda, it seems like they're trying to do this as a, like, as a direct follow-up to the Mass Effect trilogy, which is interesting, because people talked for... Like, the whole concept of Andromeda was set in another galaxy, because how do you follow up that story? And nothing at all from Dragon Age, which, I mean, both so both of these are very disappointing, but we also know, like, very recently, like, the, the producer for Dragon Age left the company, and Casey Hudson, the, like, director of Bioware, and Mr. Mass Effect left the company, both under, like, unusual circumstances in that, like, they didn't get other jobs, they just said that they, they were done there and going to go do something else. And this is on the heels of, like, there hasn't been a Dragon Age game since 2014. And wow. Mass Effect Andromeda came out in 2017 and was a huge failure. And since then, what Bioware did, they put a lot of money into the, the online multiplayer looter shooter Anthem, which has been a disaster. Hmm. So these two beloved video game franchises, like it... It kind of seems like it would be their bread and butter. Like, if you're in trouble, like, like you can just, you know, release a breakfast cereal and put Mass Effect on it, and it'll sell. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of concern in the fan community and in, like, in, in journalism about what is going on at this once magnificent studio. You know, how the mighty have fallen. 
So no real new information there, but if you're a huge Dragon Age fan or a huge Mass Effect fan, and I don't blame you, because those are great franchises to be a huge fans of, there's tiny little bit of new content for you, like a drop of water in the desert, if you want to go find it and see it. Would it be nice to get a release date for the Mass Effect remaster, but I know I'm asking for too much. Yeah, that's it's coming shortly next year. Uh, but also, it's it's the remaster. I mean, I, I like that it's remastered, but I've I've played that game a lot. You know, it's I want I want to see new things in that universe, right? Um, and it's been a while, <laughs> so any time now would be great. But no, I mean, we if we know anything about Mass Effect, I guess you'd call it Mass Effect Five, is that it's in pre-production. Like there, it, it is. No, there's nothing ready yet. And unfortunately, knowing Bioware's pattern, it, there might not be anything ready to see for a long time. Ugh. Yeah. And as for Dragon Age, who the heck knows? <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> wow. All right. Still a lot of Marvel news, but uh, let's do a lightning round here. Let's just see how much we can blast through. Uh, there's some Shang-Chi news. Shang-Chi is the next uh, Marvel movie, I think, in the in the. the batting order it's uh it's a kung fu movie it's it's got uh, it seems to be an almost entirely asian cast which is cool and amongst that cast they recently announced michelle yo has joined uh captain Giorgio herself will be joining uh, shang chi i mean i have never heard of shang chi before this is all new to me <laughs> he's he's basically uh, Bruce Lee, like uh, he came around the same time as Power Man and Iron Fist in the comic book world when they were really going hard into the the exploitation genre, and so Shang Chi is just a kung fu movie in comic book form. Um, the, uh, they're gonna bring the Mandarin in as the villain, but it's not gonna be Ben Kingsley's character. It's gonna be the real Mandarin. The real Mandarin, yeah, which is a fun twist. But boy, did I like Ben Kingsley. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. So next up, uh, we've got Captain Marvel 2. Uh, there's a new director on board, Nia DaCosta, who, much like the uh, what I mentioned before, someone who doesn't have a huge resume, just like with uh, the creator behind Lando. This is Nia DaCosta. She, her, her big claim to fame is the Candyman reboot, which isn't even out yet because of the pandemic stuff. It got pushed to next year. So she she doesn't have a lot on her resume that you can go and check out, but she seems to be a very entertaining Twitter presence, and she and Brie Larson seem to have excellent chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, then that we got uh, Hawkeye series. Uh, it was when when they started announcing Marvel Disney Plus series. The first ones we heard about were WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and Hawkeye. And Hawkeye seems to be the the last bell at this ball. And uh, we finally got to see them filming it. There's there's not much official footage out there, but they're doing it all around New York, and New Yorkers all have cell phones, so there's a lot of stuff popping up online. It was spoiled through that that uh, Haley Steinfeld is going to be playing Kate Bishop, but they officially announced that yesterday. Uh, it's coming out in late 2021. Vera Farmiga was announced to be playing uh, Haley Steinfeld's mother. Uh, there's also Alakwa Cox will be playing Maya Lopez, also known as Echo, who's primarily a daredevil character she's deaf while daredevil is blind so they had an interesting relationship but she's she's got cool you know martial arts powers uh, don't they all in that uh, in that <laughs> franchise yeah 
Next uh, is She-Hulk, and uh, they finally 100% confirm that Tatiana Maslany, our uh, Canadian, uh, I don't know, colleague? Maybe that's stretching. Yeah, it's that stretching. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow Canadian, Tatiana Maslany will be playing uh, uh, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. the She-Hulk. It sounds like they're going to be going for Dan Slott's run, where it mostly focuses on her being a lawyer whose cases are all very super heroic and bizarre. But they also confirmed that Tim Roth is back as the Abomination, who he last played in The Incredible Hulk when Ed Norton was the Hulk. Uh, speaking of the Hulk, Mark Ruffalo is also going to be in it as as the Hulk and uh, Jennifer Walters' cousin, Bruce Banner. That makes sense. Can't I mean, let's start off She-Hulk with the Hulk, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how she gets her powers is uh, blood transfusion. So, uh, other than that, they, they officially confirm Moon Knight is going to be happening, uh, but not many details beyond that. It's going to focus on the character of Mark Spector, whose powers are all sort of Egyptian-based. He's kind of a Batman-type figure, but he's got multiple personalities, so it's an actor's dream getting to be one guy who's many guys. All right, keep it moving. <laughs> All right. This was a, a pretty big announcement, I thought, um, but zero details, and it feels like it should be a movie or at least, you know, a whole phase, but they're doing it as a Disney Plus series, Secret Invasion. And all we know about that is that Sam Jackson will be back as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn will be back as the Skrull Talos. Uh, in the comics, Secret Invasion was all about how the shape-shifting Skrulls had invaded Earth, and you n- couldn't trust anyone. Anyone could be a Skrull, so, and and that invasion had been going on for years. It turned out that the Spider Woman had been a Skrull for a long time, and it uh, changed a lot of what we knew about the character. So, that's a cool thing. It'll be very interesting to see how they do it in the MCU. And uh, but you know, with Sam Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn on board, I'm I'm very excited. And to recreate that shock, I mean, it seems like they have to pick one character who's been a scroll all along, right? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's changelings, and it's cool, and they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that they announced, one of the many other things they announced, was an Ironheart series. Ironheart was a. Uh, legacy character for Iron Man and it's a, a I believe she's a 15 year old super genius from uh, who's uh, got a tragic past she's 15 and she's at MIT and she makes her own Iron Man suit she doesn't want to be called Iron Man or Iron Woman so she goes with Iron Heart and uh, all we know is that there's going to be a series and Dominique Thorne is being cast to play Riri Williams aka Iron Heart do we know do I know that actor from anywhere uh, I think she was in uh, Beale Street, which sort of came and went pretty quickly a few years ago. But other than that, I didn't really recognize much on her her uh, resume. Okay, fair enough. We'll see. Another interesting one, and a pull from the, the bygone days in the comic books, there's going to be an Iron Wars series. And in the comics, Iron Wars was Tony Stark looking for... Stark tech that was being misused by bad operators in the world and and getting all that stuff back and shutting it down. Is this Armor Wars or Iron Wars? Are they two different things? I don't think... Well, it's Armor Wars. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, but because 
spoilers, I guess. Uh, Tony Stark is dead. For the TV series, it's going to be Don Cheadle as War Machine doing the collecting of the Stark tech that's out in the wild. We don't really have a release date for it, but, you know, Don Cheadle's great, and I'm always up for more War Machine, and, and continuing the Iron Man legacy is always a good thing. So, uh, I'm excited. Again, so much of the stuff is, uh, it was such a surprise to see it. I didn't even know how to react. I was like, I, I, Armor Wars? I, I never thought there would be an Armor Wars TV series, but here we are. And in that same vein of something I never thought I'd see, never thought I'd see a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and I certainly never thought I'd see a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. James Gunn is going to write and direct it back in, with the Guardians. It's going to come out in the uh, winter of 2022 and will be a lead up to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Continuing with the Guardians, there's going to be a series of animated shorts called I Am Groot, which is uh, everyone's favorite talking tree, is going to have a bunch of little shorts introducing new characters. It'll probably be fun and very simple. Is that it? <laughs> no, still going. Uh, they confirm... Keep it going then, keep going. <laughs> they... Okay, I'm going to try and hit them all real quick. Uh, they they confirmed the villain for the Natalie Portman Thor movie. It's going to be Christian Bale as Gore, the God Butcher, who was a character introduced in the recent Jason Aaron run. He's a, a character who had a lot of hardship and heartache in his life, and because of that, didn't think there were any gods. And then he found out that there were, and he was very angry and resentful. Like, he'd, he needed help. He had all these prayers, and none of the gods in the universe uh, answered those prayers, so he goes out hunting them down and killing them, and in the comics he came up against Thor, and it was an epic battle. So that's what we're gonna be, what we're gonna have on our hands for this uh, Thor Love and Thunder movie. After that, they announced that Iron Man 3 has a title called Quantumania. The cast includes Ant-Man Catherine. 3. So what did I say? Y- you said Iron Man. Sorry, Ant-Man 3. It's, yeah, there's, it's a lot. A lot of <laughs> silly Marvel stuff to get confused by. So, Ant-Man 3, called Quantumania. Catherine Newton's going to be playing Scott's daughter in this. Uh, in the comics, Cassie, the daughter, got Ant-Man powers of her own, but went by stature and usually became a giant instead of a tiny person. And Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft County is going to play Kang the Conqueror, who's a time travel villain and as far as I know, isn't typically pitted against Ant-Man in the comics, but you never know. For Black Panther 2, they confirm they're not going to be replacing Chadwick Boseman, and it's mostly going to be focusing on the world of Wakanda and, and stories of the characters we're already familiar with. They haven't said what's going to happen with the Black Panther name or, or if anyone's going to take up that mantle, but for at least this movie, it's going to be about everyone else in Wakanda. And then the last one, possibly the thing that made me the most excited out of all these announcements, and it's it's barely an announcement, but there's going to be a Fantastic Four movie, and it's going to be directed by John Watts, who's done all three of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. So I think the reason this resonated with me so much is because it's the first sign of the Fox merger with Disney bearing fruit in the Marvel Universe. Like, I want to see fruit, ex- right? Like, yeah. the last Fantastic Four movies have been increasingly offensive, like, exponentially. <laughs> the fact that Marvel's finally got control of it and might be making a good movie out of really good comic characters. 
Yeah. It's about time. Yeah. And and I'm dying to see it. And I, I really love the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man movies. And John Watts is another one of those guys who didn't have much of a, of a resume before Marvel plucked him up to do these these movies he did a, a kevin bacon movie called cop car and then since then it's i think just been spider-man movies but they've all been great and uh well there's only been two of them but they were both very good and the next one we could do a whole podcast on all the news and rumors around the casting for that movie so i'm excited to see what he can do with uh, marvel's first family the world's greatest comic magazine as they like to call themselves the fantastic <laughs> four <sighs> okay, that was just about everything. Yeah, I need a drink. Ugh, I need a nap. This was <laughs> the like this all got announced in a period of about four hours, and it was exhausting. Yeah, and and honestly, we could go probably for another hour for all the other Disney announcements and and their all of their oh, branding stuff. Yeah, there's a Buzz Lightyear show coming. There's a Cars show coming. There's a Moana musical. There's Indiana Jones, Willow. There's so much more. Uh, but these are the things that we think, as our audience, you could uh, that that hit you exactly where you, you know, where you should know about. So, huh, there it is. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Is there anything we missed that you can't believe we didn't talk about? You know what? In this case, I'm going to tell you we'll stuff it because this was a lot. (laughs) But if you wanted to let us know about something that particularly interested you, feel free to reach out. Always love hearing from you guys. All kinds of ways you can get a hold of us. Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. And we're on Twitter at geektop5. All, all channels that we monitor to hear what you have to say, because um, we really, frankly, like we're doing this for you, and we really appreciate the support that you give us. It makes doing all this worthwhile. Uh, while we're giving out those thanks and praise, also want to direct some towards Jamie Reum, guy behind our theme song, Jamie Reum or uh, Jamie underscore Reum or Jamie Reum official on YouTube and Instagram, and check out his virtual trivia pub night project at triviashmivia dot com. That's uh, that's that's a really good way to have fun. Um, it's there's league play. There's just you know, you can book an event. Lots of cool things that you can do. So much news. Um, feel free to Google it, it all up because the amount of time it'll take you to read through everything that will keep you busy until you hear from us again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top Five. With our making up for all the news episodes we didn't do in 2020. <laughs> We'll talk to you again next week.